to Beholding Jesus in His Amazing Grace. This session is entitled, Jesus, Our Tender-Hearted Good Shepherd. So we're going to start in John 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. And we'll get to the thieves and robbers in a minute. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Later in this passage, you know that Jesus is going to tell us that He's the Good Shepherd and that He is the door as well. And we are the sheep. So I want you to picture a walled enclosure where the sheep are kept safe, particularly at night when they're resting. Then I want you to imagine the shepherd making himself the door. So when all the sheep are in for the night, he lays down in front of the opening so that no sheep can get out and no thief can get in. And I, the Lord said, you know what this is a picture of? This is a picture of anyone who is in Christ. He is safe. The enemy cannot cross over Jesus or bust Jesus down and get to us. John 10, verse 3. To him, the shepherd, the doorkeeper opens. Now, I've heard from many people, they believe that's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit opens. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So how does he lead? He leads with his voice. That's how Jesus leads us. He leads us with his voice. How does his voice come? Well, it comes in many ways. And sometimes it doesn't come like we might think. And I was reminded of when God spoke to Elijah in 1 Kings 19. His voice did not come in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. It came as what? A still, small voice. But David described the voice of God in Psalm 29 as like thunder, majestic and powerful enough to split cedar trees in half. The Lord speaks to us through the Scriptures. Sometimes He speaks to us through each other. He speaks to us in dreams and visions and signs. And one of my favorites is what I call precious gems of promise. And those are little God incidences that cannot be explained any other way but that God did it. He'll speak to us when we're looking at a sunrise or when we look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And He speaks to us by His Spirit who lives inside of us. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things and remind us of everything that Jesus has told us. Verse 3 again. The sheep hear His voice, and He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus calls us by name because He knows us. He knows us inside and out because He loves us and He made us. I've heard that the sheep is the most non-self-sufficient animal that there is. He is totally dependent on the shepherd and part of that is the shepherd names him. 
A sheep cannot name himself. Jesus gives us our identity. We're not designed to give ourselves an identity. He was creator long before we were. When I was writing this, I, I was remembering a time when I imposed an identity on myself and I was trying to live up to that identity and everyone around me also affirmed me in that identity. It was a huge burden. And even though I was so miserable, I couldn't find a way out. For years, I couldn't find a way out. I was trapped. And everything I did was wrapped up in that identity. And I was disappointed always in myself. I was never living up to it. And I always felt like God was disappointed in me too. But there came the day that I came to the end of my flesh. I needed someone other than me to identify me. It was too big of a burden. And the only person that can do that is Jesus. And He did it in one encounter. And y'all know my story, but He showed me what He accomplished on the cross. That I'm His beloved. That I'm holy and blameless in His sight. And from that moment on, everything in my life is built on that truth. I am identified by the only person who is qualified to do it. He's the only one with the power and wisdom and authority to name me. He is the only one who will never let me down, disillusion me. He's the only one who will never identify me based on my performance or my behavior. Therefore, He's the only one who will truly love me to the end. John 10, 3. Again, the sheep hear His voice and He calls His own sheep by name and He leads them out. Where does He lead them? Well, in the morning, the shepherd leads the sheep out to the green pastures, as David wrote in Psalm 23. He makes them lie down and they feed on that green grass. And He supplies everything they need to thrive and grow. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Green represents life. The green grass in that pasture is like us feeding on that living Word which provides everything we need. It supplies us with grace and peace and everything we need for life. 2 Peter 1-2 Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The more we feed on the Word, the more we know Him. The more we know Him, the more grace and peace is multiplied to us. And that Word is powerful. It gives us everything we need for life and godliness. The Bible says, and we know this, that Jesus Himself is the Word, right? John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 4 it says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Light is revelation. Jesus is the revelation of God. The more we feed on His Word, the more we're going to know who God is. 
You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus in the Word. You know what Jesus' name is? What His identity is? John saw this in the Revelation in, in chapter 19. He said, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on the horse is called Faithful and True. And in verse 13 it says, His name is called the Word of God. That's who He is. So when we feast on the Word, we're feasting on Him who is faithful and true. And every word that is written and inspired by the Holy Spirit is life and light. It's useful for teaching us, for training us, and even correcting us. Yes, even under grace, sometimes we need a course correction, don't we? It's called repentance, changing our mind. Proverbs 4, Get, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Psalm 119, This is my comfort and my affliction. Your word has revived me. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus is our fresh daily manna. He is our wisdom for every day. Proverbs 3.17 says, All of wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. The Good Shepherd, He leads us on paths of peace. You know what peace is? Wholeness and completeness. And if there's no peace, it's a path of unpleasantness. But in Psalm 23, He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. Restores shub in, in Hebrew. To turn back, to return. So He turns our soul back to rest. He leads us beside the restful waters of the Spirit and He resets our soul. This is a returning to the way, the normal state for the believer, which is peace. Sometimes we're not at rest. There are things in the world that we don't understand. There are things about God that we don't understand. And one of the best prayers that we can pray is one that was written by one of my children a long time ago. Lord, there are things in this world that I don't understand. Help me to hear your voice and listen to you. I love you for the last three words. When we're not at rest, we need the voice of wisdom. James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. No matter what you've done, even troubles of your, your own making, He always says yes to this prayer because it's His will. And you know 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the confidence we have in Jesus that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know if He hears us, whatever we ask, 
We know we have the petitions we have asked of Him. And we should never be condemning to those who have unanswered questions about God or doubts about God. We've all been there, haven't we? Jude 1 in the message, Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The New Living says, Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. NIV, be merciful to those who doubt. Jesus was merciful to me when I was on the wrong path. So I think we need to just pray for those who have doubts and who are confused that they will open the door to the voice of the Spirit of Jesus to find their answers. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. And he with me. That's a picture of our tender-hearted good shepherd willing to feed anyone who will open the door to him. Verse 4 in John 10, And when He brings out His own sheep, He goes before them to protect them. And the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from Him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. It's like little children know the voice of their father, and they instinctively know not to follow the voice of a stranger, and even to be fearful of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things that He spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And then in verse 8, He says, All who ever came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Alright, who are the thieves and robbers? Well, the word thief is the Greek word kleptes, from which we get our word like kleptomaniac, okay? It means an embezzler, a pilfer, one who secretly steals small amounts. A robber, on the other hand, the Greek word leistes, is a plunderer of all. It's someone who violently pillages. So the thieves and the robbers represent religious leaders who are not motivated out of love for the sheep or for God. They are motivated by self-interest, power, and wealth. Now, Jesus was particularly talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, right? And they claimed that they spoke for God and that they were mediators between God and man. They even claimed that they had the authority to shut the door of the synagogue, which means shut the door to God, to anyone who professed Jesus as the Messiah. And this is what Jesus said to them. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. They did not want the sheep to know the truth because the truth would set the people free and they would no longer be under their power. They maintained that the way to God was through achieving righteousness according to their own ever-changing standards of performance and their traditions. 
And I want you to know that system is still in place today, and it takes many forms in our world. But they're all the same. You must make your own way to God, or you must be your own God. But Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You know, that is not an exclusive statement. He includes everyone. This is an invitation to let go of trying to do it yourself. Matthew 11, I know I read this one all the time, but this is in the message. It's just beautiful. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion, trying to make your own way? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now in verse 8, Jesus said that the sheep did not hear the thieves and robbers. The thieves and robbers did not speak for God. And they ended up losing their influence over the people when they heard the voice of Jesus bringing that living truth that they were starving for. In Matthew 9, it says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, He felt compassion for them. The New King James says He was moved with compassion because they were distressed and dispirited. New King James says, weary and scattered. Another version says, confused and helpless, bewildered, harassed, dejected. He said they were sheep without a shepherd. So the thieves and robbers, they did not offer living truth. They offered form, not substance. They were only concerned with the external, but Jesus was concerned with the heart and He brought the compassion of the Father. So they were hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd. Peter calls it the guardian of their souls, right? That good news of the kingdom. And when they heard it, the masses followed Him. It was that living truth that pierced their heart. It was like a great awakening. And once you have seen Him, you can never unsee Him, right? Jesus said in verse 9 of John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved. So zoed. He will be not only saved, he'll be rescued, restored, delivered, healed, cared for. And he'll go in and out and find pasture. I just see that as somebody walking in extreme peace. Just out in the pasture, he is getting all the nourishment that he needs. He goes in and he gets rest. You know how Jesus said, Peace I, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He would have been using the word shalom, the Hebrew word shalom with them. It means wholeness and completeness. And the enemy, that is the number one thing he wants to steal from us. He wants us broken emotionally, 
physically, relationally. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Who is the thief? Well, we know he's the devil, but he's a liar. And he inspires the thieves and robbers. Listen to what Jesus said to the thieves and robbers in John 8, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Every time our joy is stolen, every time discouragement settles in, every time a dream is destroyed, years are stolen, a childhood robbed, a relationship destroyed, you know what? It's always based on lies. The liar will come and say, no one loves you. You're a failure. You don't fit in. You're not smart enough, wealthy enough, pretty enough. You're never going to make it. Everything is stacked against you. And how about this one? You will never be forgiven for what you did. And then the thieves and robbers come and say, well, you can be forgiven if you just pay for it. If you just give more, serve more, pray more, if you just try harder, you'll find the peace you're looking for. If you just do this, do that, you will succeed. If you'll just get an another degree, take another pill, go see this person or that person, watch this, read this. If you just get up earlier, Stay up later. Exercise more. I'm just trying to think of all the things. How about this one? Just Google. You'll find all your answers there. So, we have the liar, the thieves and robbers, but we also have the stranger. The stranger is someone we don't know, whose voice we, we don't recognize. And you do not follow the voice of the stranger. You want to follow the voice of the Good Shepherd. There are so many voices. we got to learn to discern. And you know, just because it's on the Internet, it doesn't make it true. Have you ever heard that? And just because it sounds good doesn't make it right or true. And just because the argument is real persuasive, it doesn't make it true either. We've all been a victim of that, right? Especially that mixed gospel that we that almost killed me. I told Francis the other day that the internet and AI is just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you to discern. If you attempt to try to figure out what's good and what's evil on your own, it's going to be death. All that knowledge is just going to confuse you and scare you and lead you astray. we got to have the Holy Spirit to help us to discern. And you know what James said, you'll be like, like uh, the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, double-minded and unstable in all your ways. But listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2. 
He says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He wants us to know. All we have to do is ask, and He wants us to receive. It goes on to say in John 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That word, more abundantly, perisos. Listen to the definition. Over and above, more than is necessary, super added, exceedingly, abundantly, much more than all. How can you have more than all? Only through Jesus. I am the good shepherd, he says. I just have to read you the definition of good here. Beautiful. This is kalos in the Greek. Beautiful, handsome, excellent, precious, magnificent, praiseworthy, pure in heart, comforting. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Did you notice that the word life is in verse 10 and then it's again in verse 11, but it's two different words. When he says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, that's the Greek word zoe. That's God life. That's that heavenly life, that resurrection life that's inside of us. And it is the life that will restore to us everything stolen, killed, and destroyed by the enemy. When he says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, that is the Greek word suke, from which we get our word psychology. And what does that word mean? It is the human, natural soul life. The feelings, the emotions, the will, the mind, the personality. So Jesus gave his suke. You know, he gave his body. His body was broken for us. He also gave us his soul. He gave us His will, His desires, His emotions. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And He gave that all for us that we might receive His abundant, super abundant God life. Verse 12 in John 10. But a hireling who is not the shepherd and who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and he doesn't care about the sheep. So the hireling is a hired shepherd. And he doesn't care about the sheep. All he's in it for it is to be paid. He represents ministers or shepherds who are only in it for their own advantage. They don't love the sheep. They're not interested in self-sacrifice to try to protect the sheep. At the first sign of danger, they flee and they leave the sheep exposed to the wolves. Well, who is the wolf? The wolf is the natural enemy of the sheep. He attacks, he snatches, he scatters, he causes chaos. The wolf is anyone who would harm one of Jesus' little lambs. Anyone who would attack them, trap them, confuse them, lead them away from the flock, and lead them astray. And Jesus, well, let me tell you this. Sometimes the wolf comes in sheep's clothing. 
And he's hard to recognize. Sometimes he can slip in right under your nose and you don't know it before you know it. You've been led astray. Listen to what Jesus said. And I believe he was talking about the wolf here. Because the wolf scatters. That's one thing he does. Whoever, Matthew 18, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me. The Living Bible says, if any one of you causes one of these little ones who trusts in me to lose his faith, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. In verse 10, it says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. How does one despise one of Jesus' little ones? He leads him away from Jesus. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one who is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine who did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that even one of these little ones should perish. This is the voice of our tender-hearted Good Shepherd, the prophetic voice in Ezekiel 34. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. Isaiah 40, He tends His flock like a shepherd and gathers His lambs in His arms and holds them close to His heart. It may seem for a moment that the wolf has been able to snatch one of the little ones from the hand of Jesus, but that is impossible in eternity. No one can snatch one of his little ones from his hand. In Matthew, back to excuse me, John 10, verse 28, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one will snatch anyone from my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Isaiah 43, From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone from my hand. No one can undo what I have done. The devil does not understand the eternal blood of Jesus and that nothing can separate one of his little ones from his love. You remember last week I talked about how Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith wouldn't fail. And we know that before the evening ended, before the cock crowed, he, his faith did fail. But that wasn't the last word. In the end, his faith did not fail. 
And he did return to Jesus. And he did strengthen his brothers. And he strengthened many others through his ministry because Jesus always gets what he prays for. You know that Jesus, that the Father, does not remember our sins. That's a fact. Hebrews 8, that's the new covenant. What is recorded in heaven is our faith, not our faithlessness. So if a sheep wanders, that's not the end of the story. 1 Peter 2, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Now, John 10, 13 says that the hirelings don't care about the sheep, but the good shepherd does care about the sheep. Jesus has tender-hearted compassion for anyone who is weary, scattered, distressed, sick, weak. And the good shepherd, you know, he went to the mountains. Jesus has demonstrated that no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. No one is beyond repair. No one is worthless to Him. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 12. A bruised reed He will not break, and a smoking flax He will not quench, till He sends forth justice to victory. Now I want you to know, He is our justice. He's fulfilling a prophecy here. He is our justice. He is our righteousness. Same Greek word. Now, I've heard that in Bible times in the Middle East, the children would pick these reeds that would grow along the banks of the River Jordan. And they would play with them and make little straws out of them. But if they picked one and it was bruised or damaged, they would just throw it away because there was hundreds more of those. They didn't need them. When I was reading this this week, I had a flashback to sitting in a football stadium. And at that time, I was a bruised reed. I was so, I was in so much pain and I'd experienced some pretty severe rejection and I didn't go in public much at that time because of the shame. But I'm sitting there among these screaming fans all around me. It was an Ole Miss game. There were tens of thousands of people there. It was a full house. And as I'm looking at these people all around me, I heard Jesus say my name, Tricia. I'll never forget it. I thought of all these people. He sees me and He knows my name. And at that moment, I thought of Mary Magdalene, the first person to see Jesus after His resurrection. She had been possessed by demons and was an outcast. But she didn't recognize Him. But then He said her name, Mary. And she turned and said, Rabboni. There's something about when He says your name. That's why we do this personalized Scripture cards. It just does something to me when I see myself in in the Scripture and I hear Him say my name. One of my favorite old songs that I have on my playlist is, He Knows My Name. I have a Maker. He formed my heart. 
Before even time began, my life was in His hands. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. I have a Father. He calls me His own. He'll never leave me no matter where I go. When we are bruised, our tender-hearted Good Shepherd doesn't break us and throw us away. He doesn't say, there are billions more. I don't need you. A bruised reed He will not break. And a smoking flax He will not quench. The smoking flax, the flax was a piece of cloth that they would use for kindling to light the flame of an oil lamp. But once it started to get dim and to smoke and to become charred, they would throw it out. Why? Because there was many more pieces of flax. When we are burned, worn out, dim, Jesus doesn't snuff us out. He'll rekindle the flame of His love and His life in us. And He'll take us by the hand and lead us to a life of victory. A bruised reed He will not break, and a smoking flax He will not quench till He sends forth justice, His righteousness, to victory. As I said, that is an Old Testament prophecy that He is fulfilling right here. It's from Isaiah 42, but He changed one word. See if you notice. A bruised reed, this is from Isaiah 42, a bruised reed He will not break, and a smoking flax He will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Jesus put the word victory in where truth had been. Truth is our victory. We shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. I just want to leave y'all with a truth that I can hardly get through. This is not just for mothers who are pregnant or new, mothers of newborn babies. This is for every one of us. Psalm 139. You have searched me, my tender-hearted Good Shepherd. And you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts to me. Oh God, how vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Amen.